on this very special evening as we gather to praise our Savior Jesus, we're, we're asking one question. We're asking, what child is this? Who is this Jesus who was proclaimed, announced by angels, who was worshipped by shepherds, who was visited by wise men, who was laying in a manger, who was born in a stable? Who is this Jesus? Well, tonight we'll see that Jesus is our joy. And so we'll be looking in Matthew chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, please turn there. If you do not, we do have the words on the screens. We'll be reading out of Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verses 1 through 8. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled with all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And so wise men from the east, from either Persia or Babylon, see this supernatural star in the sky that God has orchestrated and they traveled to Jerusalem and they speak to King Herod and he tells that they tell the king that the the true king has been born and they want to go worship him and and the priests inform the wise men and King Herod that the promised Messiah who would rule over God's people for eternity would be born in Bethlehem the city of David And so this evil King Herod, who wanted to kill Jesus, he lies to the wise men. He he tells them, go find the baby and then come back and bring me word so that I too can go worship him. But as you'll see later in this chapter, we won't look at it tonight. If you keep reading, you see he actually intended to kill Jesus. He claims to worship him, but that is by no means his goal. Let's continue reading because we're going to be focusing on the next few verses. Verses 9 through 12. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then... Opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And so the wise men see this miraculous star. We talked about this last Friday. We don't know exactly 
how this worked, but this is a miracle. And so this star leads them to the precise house where Jesus was. And when they realized that they would soon be in the presence of the Savior of the world, the promised Messiah, when, when they knew that they were soon to be in the presence of Jesus, they responded in a way that is the main idea for this last few verses, verses 9 through 12, which is, it's on the screens, the primary truth we're looking at tonight, these last four verses, is that Jesus is the source of exceedingly great joy. That is how the wise men responded with exceedingly great joy. And that is because Jesus is the only source of this type of exceedingly overwhelming, bubbling over great joy. You and I have been created by God to desire joy. God has made every one of us hardwired into our souls a desire for joy. We all seek joy. We all seek pleasure. We all want to be happy. God's made us that way. John 15, 11, Jesus, this is his words. He says, these things I have spoken to you. So Jesus speaks these things. He says, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And so Jesus in John 15 says that he wants his followers to have joy. He says, this is why I've come, that you may have joy. But he, he defines it. He says that my joy may be in you. God wants you to experience exceedingly great joy in life. But he defines what that looks like. And in that same book, Gospel of John, two chapters later, John 17, verse 24, Jesus was actually praying for his followers, and he said, Father, I desire that they, his followers, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, that may they be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. So before the world existed, Jesus already existed, and he and the Father loved each other because Jesus is eternal. He is part of the Trinity. So he's always existed before the world existed. He and the Father were enjoying love, it says. And he says he wants his followers to be with him, he says, to see his glory. And so listen carefully. Here's some dots that Jesus is connecting that we must not miss on this Christmas Eve. Jesus is connecting. He says that he wants us to be full of joy. And he says that being where he is, so being with Jesus and seeing his glory is what leads to joy. And so knowing Jesus personally, seeing his glory, and then delighting in it leads to exceedingly great joy. And Jesus alone can provide exceedingly great joy. And you know why? Because he's God. Jesus is God in the flesh. God came personally. God did not send the prophet. God came himself. Why? Because he loves you. God could not bear to send the prophet. 
He sent His Son. God came Himself. For Jesus and the Father are one. And the meaning of Christmas is that your heart that desires to be satisfied, because we all have deep desires and deep longings, and Jesus came to give you joy. So we sing joy to the world. Why? Because Jesus has come. So what does it look like when someone is really finding their joy in Jesus? Three thoughts. Exceedingly great joy, number one, is marked by adoring Jesus. And so that's the first thought here, is that when someone's finding their joy in Jesus, number one, it's, it, looks, it looks like someone adoring Jesus. And so it's marked by adoring Jesus. And so you see in verses 10 and 11, when they find Jesus, what happens? In verse 10, it says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And so these wise men were not kings. We don't know how many there were. We don't know their names. All that's just tradition. The Bible doesn't tell us any of that. There may have been far more than three. It could have been a very large entourage. And it says that they came into the house. And so not into the stable, but they came into the house. So they came later. And so our nativities are not historically accurate because there weren't just three. They weren't kings, and they weren't there at the stable. They came later. Two years before Christ's birth, they saw the star. And so by the time they traveled, it could have been many months or even a year later. And so Christ may have already been one year old. He was definitely still a baby. He was very young, but he wasn't a newborn. So this is important for us to understand that when they see Jesus, when they see this infant child, what do they do? It says they fell down and worshipped him. That was their response. And so we're finding our joy in Jesus. Number one, we adore him. And that's what worship is. It's saying to King Jesus, I want to be low and I want you to be high. I want you lifted up. I want you above all of my other desires. So above everything else in this life, Jesus, I need and I want you. And every one of us worships. Hear this on this very special evening. Our minds can be so focused on opening presents and doing so many things. But understand this. Every one of us worships. We were made to worship. And so every second of every day, we're finding value in something, finding joy in something comfort and significance and meaning in something. We worship. We, we can't stop ourselves from worshiping because God made us to worship. So the question is not who do we, not do we worship. The question is who or what do we worship. And when we're finding our joy in Jesus, the response is that we adore him. And so we sing, O come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. O come, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Our problem is because of our sin, we tend to adore God's gifts more than we adore God himself. And so we tend to adore possessions and pursuits and other people, and so we're adoring the gifts more than the giver of those gifts. But Jesus came not to bring religion. Jesus came to change your 
heart. That's why the Father sent the Son, not to give us a list of religious do's and don'ts to somehow impress him. He came to give you life and joy in the fullest, and he came to change your heart, to give you a new one that has a passion for him, that will find joy in him. And so joy in Jesus is marked by adoring him. Number two, extremely great joy is marked by generously giving to Jesus. And so when we're finding our joy in Jesus, we'll adore him. But secondly, we will give generously. We see it in verse 11. It says, when they fell down and worshipped him, then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so gold was very costly as it is today, even more so in the ancient world. It symbolized royalty, a precious metal. Frankincense was a very expensive, beautiful smelling incense that was used in the temple for offerings and for sacrifices. Myrrh was also a high priced perfume that was used to prepare bodies before they were buried. They gave very expensive gifts, gifts that were fit for a king. They gave generously. But understand this they weren't giving in order to get back. They weren't doing a religious duty so that they can then somehow earn God's favor. So people think that as long as you go to church or you pray or you put money in the offering bag, as long as you do all these good things, as long as you're giving and you're doing all of this activity that's religious, then somehow that impresses God and somehow that, that, that pleases him. But that's not what you're seeing here. It's quite the opposite. They already loved Jesus. They already were worshiping him. And because of that love and they were already worshiping him, out of the overflow, they wanted to give to him. And so they gave as an expression of love and gratitude. And the meaning of these gifts is very significant. Gold represents that Jesus is the king. It's a sign of royalty. And so as the king deserves our loyalty, we must submit to his authority as the king. We must obey him. Frankincense, remember, it was used for sacrifice in the temple. And this points to the fact that Jesus is the once-for-all sacrifice who died on the cross for you and for me. He endured our guilt on the cross, our shame on the cross. He paid it all. Myrrh, remember, that was used to prepare bodies before they were buried. Jesus had myrrh used on his body when he died before he was buried for three days. Christmas means nothing without Easter. He came, we celebrate that at Christmas, but at the resurrection, we celebrate that he conquered death and he is God and he is able to save us from our sins. And he came to offer us eternal salvation. And the ultimate joy is knowing him. And the only way to know Jesus is to respond to him with all your heart, with repentance, turning away from your sin, and trusting alone in Jesus. And then what happens? You become generous. Your heart is changed. The Spirit of God comes inside of you, and now you're like the wise man. You want to give extravagantly. You want to forgive those that hurt you. You want to sacrifice more. And Christians are weird. Christians do weird things like give our money away and help the poor. And we do things like adopt those that others would not want to adopt. Christians do some stuff 
that the world says, man, why do Christians do that? Because our heart's been changed. Because we have a spirit in us, and we have this joy. And because of that, we want to live sacrificially for Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate gift. He loves you. If you've never heard this, hear it tonight. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter how messed up you are, no matter how much you think that the holiday is going to fix whatever is wrong with you or your life, inside, deep down inside, you know that it won't. But Jesus can, and he does. He changes lives, and he loves you, evidenced by Jesus dying for you. Lastly, as we close, exceedingly great joy is marked by surrendering to Jesus. So it's marked by adoring him, giving generously, and it's marked by surrendering to him. This is what it looks like. People that have joy in Jesus, we adore him. We, we are more generous, and we just naturally desire to surrender to him. The wise men acknowledge he is our king, and then they obeyed. At the, in verse 12, they didn't obey King Herod. They obeyed God who through a dream said, don't go back to the king. Go home a different way. They were obedient to God. They surrendered to him. But many people don't want to surrender to Jesus. They want freedom to live their lives their own way. I want to read to you. A lot of kids in the audience tonight here in, in, in the congregation. So I want to read to you out of a really great devotional book that I use with my children. It's called Thoughts Make Your Heart Sing. And I'm going to read to you about the foolish fish. All right? So the foolish fish. What if a fish one day decided... I've had enough of being told what I can and can't do and only being allowed in the water. I want to be free. I'm going to find my fortune on land. And then he jumps out of the water and onto a riverbank. How far do you think the foolish fish would get? It would wriggle and flap its fins. But of course, fins don't work on land. It would lie there gasping for air pretty soon it would die. How free is that fish on land? Not very. The fish is not built for land, and we are not built to be away from our heavenly Father. If the sun sets you free, you are truly free. John 8, 36. You see, you and I were made for Jesus. We were made for God, to trust him, to love him. That's what you were made for. And out of that love and trust, the response naturally is obedience to him. True freedom comes from living according to how you were made. And you were made to know and enjoy Jesus. He is the true king. So will you surrender your life to him? And on this Christmas, maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never with all your heart repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus. Joy awaits you, if you will. And those of us that are following him, 
may we, as we spend time with our families tonight and tomorrow, and as we celebrate the glory of Jesus coming and the joy of our salvation, may we not lose sight of this great salvation that we remember at Christmas. Will you pray with me? Our most holy and loving Father, you are good. And Christmas reminds us that you are good. For you loved us. You sent Christ to pay the price for our sins so that we can be forgiven and spend eternity with you and have joy that overflows, that impacts how we live. Father, I pray for anyone in this room right now that is just grappling with these truths, that is sensing you right now through your spirit pulling them to yourself. I pray that they would turn to you. I pray that you would help all of us in this room to find our joy in you, for you are the source of exceedingly great joy, Jesus. Thank you for obeying the Father. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Father, for sending him. And we praise you, Spirit, for living in us. Thank you for Christmas. We praise you, for you alone are worthy. We pray these things in the name of you, Jesus, our King.